This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, when we talk about feedback, it's typically in the context of sharing it. How to hit the right balance, providing insights that will help a person grow, but at the same time, leave them, well, let's say, positively engaged and motivated rather than deflated and discouraged. Today's guest is going to help us look at not giving feedback, but receiving it. Ryan, who are we speaking with today? We are speaking with distinguished Toastmaster Bill Brown. Bill is a speech delivery coach in Gillette, Wyoming. He's a member of Energy Capital Toastmasters in Gillette and Evening Stars Club in Denver, Colorado. Bill writes the Toastmasters Toolbox article each month in the Toastmaster magazine. His April 2022 article provides the context for today's discussion. It's called A Most Important Skill accepting and implementing feedback takes more talent than you think. Distinguished Toastmaster Bill Brown, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Bill, before we dig into the topic of your April article, I'd like to ask you about the Toastmasters toolbox. It's been a staple of the Toastmaster magazine for quite some time now. When did you begin writing it? I'm not sure the exact date on the toolbox. I started writing for Toastmaster Magazine probably in the 2013-2014 timeframe, wrote a number of articles occasionally, and then they approached me and said, would you like a monthly column focused more on the Toastmaster basics? So I've probably been writing there for five, six years. Well, for listeners who have not yet dug into the Toastmasters toolbox, you are going to get a taste of what you'll find inside today. So let's get into it. Let's talk about receiving feedback. And Greg, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Well, Bill, you said you were formerly living in Las Vegas, and there's a guy that you might know. Maybe you met him, maybe you didn't. Jerry Seinfeld. And I'm not sure if you recall, but one of the things that he said was, you know... People fear public speaking more than they fear death. Yeah. In fact, the guy delivering the eulogy would rather be in the coffin. So, Bill, tell me, please, how does accepting feedback rank amongst those phobias? It really depends on the person. But what I have found far too many times, especially a brand new Toastmaster, they are terrified of that feedback that they're getting. Oh my gosh, the evaluation, they're going to rip me to shreds. (laughs) No, that's not the case. But the key is you need to be open and ready to receive it, to want it, actually, ultimately, to get to the point whereby you crave it, because that is how you are going to grow. That, in my opinion, is really the value of a Toastmaster club in that they are able to give you the feedback. It's like holding up a mirror when you're speaking and saying, ah, that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm hearing, that more importantly is what my audience is hearing and perceiving. And that's what you need to know as a speaker. Yeah, I think it makes sense, Bill, that people often fear feedback. We associate receiving feedback with things like performance evaluations in the workplace, receiving the dreaded report card. There's that fear of being criticized and judged. Do you have any thoughts on how we can reframe receiving feedback? in a way that increases 
the individual's desire to receive it and bypasses those negative associations? I suspect that there isn't really a technique that you need to use. It's more a matter of getting used to it. I think after they get over their first couple of evaluations, they realize, I survived. They didn't have to take me to the hospital. A lot of the evaluations are then filled with a lot of positives and they realize, oh, okay, I'm being built up. I'm getting some feedback, but I'm also then receiving some encouragement there at the end as well. So I think that it generally takes care of itself within a few speeches. Bill, often when we think of receiving feedback, most people might think of it as something that's passive. You sit there, perhaps you're taking a few notes and you listen to what the evaluator has to say. However, in your article, you posit that receiving that feedback is actually a skill. So I'm curious, what do you mean by that? And how did you come to that conclusion? First of all, what I mean by that is that when you're listening for feedback, at first you're focused in on what are they saying, but then over time, it becomes more fine-tuned. Where do I want to grow? Toward the end of the article, I mentioned that I learn best when I'm focused in on a particular area or two that I want to grow so that I'm really listening for what are they saying. And as I'm trying to grow, I'm looking at their feedback. Are they telling me something that will add to what I know? Or is it something that, hey, it could be a, have a little bit more meat here? Is it relevant or not? So you're really analyzing it. How can I use this? And over time, you start using it more and more and in a more targeted basis. Bill, to help us appreciate the differences, can you contrast for us behaviors of someone with underdeveloped skills in receiving feedback and someone who you'd consider a feedback receiving pro? A lot of times I will give feedback and they kind of look at me that I get this cold stare, sort of like, (laughs) huh? And it's, it's obvious that the next time they speak, they're doing exactly the same thing. There's no interest in growing. Other folks that want to grow, they're coming up to me afterwards and saying, what did you mean by that? How can I do this better? I remember one time, and I've got a very unique style of giving feedback, particularly when it comes to vocal variety. I actually repeat back how they said something. And then I said, you said it this way, but you could have said it this way and showing a little bit increased vocal variety. After the evaluation of the meeting was over, the guy that I evaluated came up to me and said, thanks. I finally understand what they've been telling me all these years. <laughs> and so it's something like that where I get the feedback, they do interact, they are trying to improve it. I wonder if perhaps sometimes the reason that we don't see the speaker taking our suggestions and putting them into practice is not because they're not listening, but they might be, for example, someone who's goal is, I just want to get up there and make it through a speech without dying. So thank (laughs) you for the feedback on vocal variety and gestures. And I'll get to that, you know, maybe in five years. (laughs) But thank you very much for now. It's a victory if I get up and make it through a speech. And and I agree. In fact, I mentioned that in my article, whether one of the types of feedback is, you know, it's probably not relevant right now. What I'm really looking at is the people that are making the effort in the speeches. Maybe a better example is they're giving a speech, they've got it in front of them, they're reading it, and you kind of get the impression that they wrote it that morning, Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who has got a speech that's really working on it and trying to make it better. 
you kind of get a sense that people are working on their skills as opposed to not. What right. I look for over time is some sort of growth. I want to see them growing. And if they aren't, that may indicate one thing. But if they are, even if it's not in the area that specifically I said, that's great because I want them to grow at their own pace, but I do want them to grow. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned vocal variety, and I actually have a note here on the page. There was an individual, and this is during the Legacy program, where his project was vocal variety. I gave him some specific suggestions and also suggested that how it would add value to his speech. But yet the next time around when he did another presentation, even though it wasn't on vocal variety, it was on body language, he made no effort to increase his vocal variety. He also made no effort to increase his body language. And when I chatted with him about it, one of the things he said was something along the lines of what Ryan had said is that he just wanted to get through the speech because it was actually a speech for his work. And I try to suggest to him, again, that it would add value. Your presentation would add more value. But he just went back to saying, I just want to get through this thing. So it's kind of hard to teach him how to accept the feedback and then also apply it. So this is a long-winded way of asking, how do you actually teach someone to accept that feedback, right? Because you, you need to want it. I'm not sure that I can teach them to want it. They have to want it to grow. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the speech contests. I encourage club members to get involved in them because when you do that, you are pushing yourself to get better. The competition kind of gets people interested. And we just finished our contest season here in the Denver, Wyoming area. And it was interesting to see the growth of the folks that were involved. They were striving every time they practiced their speech, it was better. That, I think, more than anything, is really how I would encourage people to do it, just to get involved, even at the club level, to compete at that level. I'm convinced that if I can get somebody to compete at the area level, their speaking skills are going to jump tremendously, and they're going to get into that, gee, how can I get better mode? Bill, thus far, we've focused primarily on receiving feedback as a speaker in the context of a speech evaluation, or like you just said, as a result of competing in a speech contest. I'd like to look at this from another angle. How would you recommend coaching a member, for example, a club officer who's maybe ultra sensitive, perhaps even combative <laughs> whenever it comes to critical feedback heading in their direction? So a little bit more on the, the leadership side or the, the personal style side rather than speaking. Interesting question. I've not really looked at it from that standpoint, being a speech delivery guy. That's always my particular focus. But yes, it's it's a function of, well, for, first of all, I've got my own personal strategy is don't run for president of the club. Let the president handle it. But, <laughs> uh, but if it's the president of the club, lo and behold, here we go. And, and that was more of a tongue-in-cheek than anything there. But of course. I'd say talk to him. Talk to the person he or she. See if they're interested see if they care. Maybe they don't care. Mm. Uh, I've been involved. In fact, I'm in on it now. We're coming up on the end of a Toastmaster year, which means let's find the officers for next year. Maybe somebody was asked and they said yes. And then they realized a little bit in that this is the wrong job for me. Maybe their arm got twisted a little bit and they weren't all that interested in going. You need to determine that and find out what is their motivation to begin with. Yeah. And if they are interested in, in doing a good job, that's great. Taking it from a different angle, let's say you have a group 
there's six officers, I believe, in our club, six or seven, I guess, seven officers on our executive committee. Get them to a meeting. If they're around everyone else, maybe they'll catch a little bit of the fire and the interest to kind of work forward. If they're doing their own thing and not really accepting the feedback, they've got their own way of doing it. And they don't really care to do it your way because they're going to do it their way. And that may be good. Or Mm. it may be a way that isn't working in the club leadership. There could be multiple ways of doing something, all of which are equally valid. And if somebody wants to do it their way, great. It may be a different approach that I don't see, but the fact that I don't see it or it may not be the way that we have traditionally done it in this club doesn't mean it's wrong. Make sure that you're not correcting someone or giving feedback when something is working. It's just not the way it's always been done. But if there is a problem, then address it, I think, from the problem-solving standpoint of this isn't working. What can we do? And ask Mm. them to come up with a solution if it's their job. Yeah, yeah. Bill, I I loved what you said about finding out what the person's interest level is. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it reminds me of a question that I've heard as a way to have the person that you're speaking to buy in to your feedback. And that's to ask them some variation of, you know, Bill, if I was aware of something in your performance that I thought was holding back your effectiveness. Would you want me to share that with you? If the person says, well, yeah, of course, (laughs) please, then you've opened the door. And then if they say, "Uh, no, I'm really not interested in what you have to say, Bill, then you've just saved both of us time. (laughs) Right. And and it's interesting, a, a variation of that back in my voiceover days, you know, and I'm, I'm also a wordsmith. I've got a pretty good feel for the scripting and In voiceovers, I have read a lot of scripts, many of them bad. And occasionally, if I'm working with a producer and I've read the script and then I'll stop and they'll say, okay, great, let's go to the next cut. And then I'll stop and say, are you open to a suggestion? (laughs) if If they say no, fine, next line. If they say yes, I say, you might want to say it that way. And one time I said something like that and the producer said, that's what I was looking for. So that's kind of along those same lines, different context, but again, just opening up, give them an opportunity to tell you that they're willing to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with developing the credibility beforehand that they would actually listen to it. I have a feeling someone who respects your opinion is going to be more open to it than somebody you just met off the street. Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because I'm thinking the last thing you'd want is the client saying, are you telling me what to do or don't tell me what to do? <laughs> yeah. Bill, one of the projects on Level 1 Pathways does talk about accepting feedback. Can you share with us a little bit about that? That's an interesting project. Under the old legacy program, a lot of us were frustrated that we were always taught, write a new speech. Well, why can't I go back and rewrite the same speech and make it better? Toastmasters and Pathways has actually given us that challenge. I forget the exact title, but it's you give a speech, You receive feedback and then you give it again, incorporating that feedback and you're actually judged based on how well you incorporated that feedback. And I think that's an excellent, excellent task. It trains you in receiving the feedback and then incorporating it and saying, how can I? But it's also training you to say, how can I make the speech better? Whether it's part of an official project or not, it's training you to say, Whatever I get, how can I improve? And I think that is what we need to have our members thinking. 
Yeah, Bill, that's certainly priceless because I know how often people receive feedback and you remember specifically suggestions as to what they could do better. And again, as I mentioned earlier with that previous speech with the vocal variety, they go back and doing the same thing over again. So this way, I won't call it forced, but yeah, you're kind of forced because it's part of the project to actually take that feedback and reapply it. And I think that that is actually very effective. In one of our clubs, the Denver Club, we had a woman who, for whatever reason, had not spoken in over a year. And we finally got her. She did a speech, but it was this particular speech. And then she was excited and says, I want to speak next meeting too, because I want to improve this. And she did incorporate the feedback that we gave her. So I have seen real time that that project does work very effectively. That's good to hear. Bill, you're an expert speaker. You've given hundreds of speeches over the years, probably thousands. You've heard countless evaluations. You're a speech delivery coach, for crying out loud. I have to imagine you've had the experience where you sat down from your speech, eagerly awaited the evaluation portion of the meeting, and then you heard your evaluator share the following helpful feedback with you. Bill, your speech was great. I loved it. Um, I can't really think of any ways that you could improve it, but I look forward to your next speech. <laughs> so I wonder, what do you do to prime your evaluator to ensure that you'll get helpful feedback? I'm not sure you can necessarily prime them. There are some that are newer speakers and they don't have the skills to evaluate someone who is an advanced speaker. That's the nature of the beast. So in that regard, you can't really prime them per se. You can tell them, be sure you look at such and such, eye contact or whatever it is, you know, the body language, whatever topic you want them to work on. They may or may not have anything valid to say. The way I would solve that is, first of all, there are folks in the club, hopefully, that can give you the feedback that you're looking for, I would go up to them after the meeting and say, what did you think? Actually talk to them. In one club we had, there were about three of us who were helping each other out. We'd talk ahead of time. And then after the meeting, we'd come together and we'd give each other feedback independent of what the specific evaluators said. Another tool that I use is that I take a video camera and videotape myself. And I can be a pretty brutal evaluator of myself. That certainly helps. There's a third aspect that you might want to take a look at. If you're in a club that doesn't have an advanced speaker that can help you out, that's a role where you are helping the other individuals speak. And I view that as, okay, I'm helping them raise their level. But it's also important that if you don't have that in your club, you might want to take a look around and see if there's an advanced club that you can plug into where they can give you that level of feedback. Mm. I've also seen some clubs where they would pass little evaluation forms to every member of the club and ask the members to just share a couple of comments on the speech and turn them into the speaker. And being on the receiving end of that, I found that quite helpful to get some feedback from everyone who heard my speech, not just the evaluator. What we do in our Gillette club, and a number of clubs do this, after there's a form, actually we do this in, in the Denver club as well. After the formal three-minute evaluation, we have a period of round robin. Anybody who has a comment can then give you a quick suggestion. That way, even if your evaluator is not the top evaluator in the club, 
you're getting feedback from different perspectives. That's a tool that I think has really helped our club. Super. Sometimes you'll get feedback for the sake of getting feedback. Some might refer to it as unwanted feedback or arbitrary feedback where someone says, well, I need to find something to pick on. And I don't really like when people use that term, but sometimes that's what they say. What do you do about that? How do you handle a situation like that? If, in fact, it's during their formal evaluation, nod your head, take your notes, and it's over, it's over. If somebody comes up to you afterwards and said, I've got this bone to pick with you, you did this, da 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 just look at them, thank you. Just acknowledge that they gave them to you and thank them and don't really pursue it further if, in fact, Ooh. it's totally off the wall. Now, if they're belligerent about it, then you got to deal with that, but that's a totally different situation than just giving feedback. That's a totally different kind of feedback. From a coaching perspective, how would you share with them a better way to handle that situation? I mean, as far as the person receiving the feedback or the person giving the feedback? The person giving the feedback. Like I said, I see that very often. Oh, you know, you, we got to find something. How, how do you sort of coach them to find other ways or other things? If, in fact, they're just being picky, I think a lot of that has to do with teaching them better criteria to look for. Let me give you an example of what we're doing in our Gillette Club. I give an educational moment every meeting, and the board has asked me to go through the criteria on the evaluation forms within Pathways and give people tips on what to look for and how to work within that. So it's more a matter of educating not so much the individual in our case, but the club, and hence all of the individuals, to raise the awareness level of what to look for. That I think more than anything, if somebody's looking for something, the reason they're looking for just anything is that they don't understand enough about speech writing to be able to find something where there is an error, where there's something where they need to improve. Now, keep in mind as well, each person notices certain things and not others. If you notice most of the by evaluations, I'm talking about speech delivery and your opening lines. That's where I particularly notice more than everything else. I do not notice eye contact. Eye contact is not something that I really do when I speak. I'm an old radio guy, an old voiceover guy. I'm used to staring at a microphone. So I've never really been trained to do that. Each person has their own area. It's just a matter of finding in the areas where they're not strong to get them to know enough to be able to notice where there's an area for improvement. But I always ask them, what areas do you see more than the others? Maybe it's the body language. Maybe it's the organization. Maybe it is the eye contact. And then have them build that up. Because if you have a whole club with different people seeing different things, you're going to be able to get, over time, some pretty good feedback, especially if they're filling out that little sheet and passing it on to you. That's a great way of building the skill of accepting feedback. That's super. Bill, I'd love to have you share with us an example of unexpected feedback. Could be something that you received. Maybe it was a fellow Toastmaster member in your club or maybe one of your coaching clients. Some unexpected feedback that someone received and then how they implemented it and how it actually improved their communication. 
Well, let me give you the example, and I know I've, I've mentioned this in the article there, but it's one that has really struck in my mind. I have been a Toastmaster for 16 years. I've received a lot of evaluations. There is one of them that I remember. And it was a woman who was a relatively new Toastmaster, was not very skilled, not a very good evaluator. She started off by saying, Bill, you're a good speaker. I don't know what to tell you. All I can say is, will you quit playing with the flap on your sport jacket? <laughs> Great <laughs> feedback. Everyone else is always looking at the vocal variety, the body language, the organization, the opening phrase. They never looked at that. And all of the time that I'd been Toastmaster, no one had ever said that. And it's sort of like, duh. So I became conscious of that. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. And got to the point whereby I don't touch it anymore. I learned from that. I wasn't expecting that. I could have ignored it and said, okay, another one of these blah, blah, everything is great type ones. But that really hit home. And it literally is the evaluation that I've received that I remember more than any of the others. And I understand there's a proposal going before the board at the convention this summer about adding a line item to the evaluation form for playing with the flap on your jacket. Good, good. I think that is very important. It should be there, and I have been appalled that it hasn't been there to this date. It's about darn time. Absolutely. <laughs> it's prop F, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned this, that sometimes a newbie or someone who has a sort of naive look or who's brand new can actually make an observation that you wouldn't otherwise see. It, it happened to me years ago where someone came up to me after a presentation and they said, Greg, you rock. So I thought, oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, I get this blank stare. Like, that's not a positive thing. I'm going, <laughs> I, <laughs> they're saying I rock because I, I was rocking back and forth and back and forth. And that was a habit that I had. And it was funny how nobody had ever pointed it out to me. <laughs> when I'm coaching a brand new member doing their first evaluation, I tell them, if you don't see anything, that's great. Tell me what you see, what you notice, because it might just be what that speaker needs to hear that no one else has ever noticed. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Wow. Some really good golden nuggets here. And folks, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do us a favor and share it with all of your friends, Toastmasters and non-Toastmasters. You can catch the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and now, folks, by request, now on Spotify. Back to you, Ryan. Bill, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing with us today. Before we let you go, I'd love for you to share with us and with our listeners What's the best way for us to learn about your speech delivery coaching services and perhaps to otherwise connect with you online? I think the best way is just to go to my website, BillBrownSpeechCoach.com. Scroll to the bottom, sign up for my speech delivery tips. They'll come in email form once every week. Also on there, you can certainly reach out via the email at Bill at BillBrownSpeechCoach.com. And of course, check out Bill's article, The Toastmasters Toolbox. Every month in the Toastmaster magazine, not to be confused with Tim Allen's Tool Time. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, this has been really great. And if you're open to it, I think we'd love to have you back sometime in the future to discuss some other Toastmasters tools. 
I would be absolutely thrilled to participate again. It's been a pleasure for me. I thank you very much for inviting me here. And if there are some topics you want to talk about in the future, let me know. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.